search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 91. Hope you're all having a lovely day, evening, wherever you are, wherever time. you are in the world, whatever time zone. Yep. Solo Q update, Curtis. Let's go. We love SolarQ. We know this is the number one SolarQ podcast. How's our SolarQ going, Curtis? We did our SolarQ therapy session two weeks ago. Yep. Well, it's technically my therapy session, right? Yep. Uh, so I guess I'll have to start off with my update. Okay. So I definitely... So these are some quick little pointers that I've definitely found. The less I play, the better it is. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. Okay. Merch. Merchandise. Hold up. Merchandise, everyone. I forgot. Okay, wait, wait. Let's, so let's, let's back it up. All right, we're backing so, it up. So... You know, few we- I think it was a few weeks ago we mentioned merch, right? And you wore that t-shirt. I'm wearing it, one of them today. Yeah. The first um, people we wanted to potentially do the merch through, we didn't like the quality. So we got samples, wasn't great. This time around though, quality is exceptional, way, way better. Um, so all systems go. Um, so we're going to have the merch store there will be a link in the description in the description below go crazy um we're gonna leave it up for about a month give you guys plenty of time to organize your your finances whatever um and so we'll do the, do probably a line so this line to get into the details we've only got to do one for the hours we'll get into the this details. will be out for a month yep. and then maybe we'll do another one later on yeah and maybe another one it could be like a three block one or uh what Who other knows? sayings we have because there's podcast. a lot um so exciting times. So Curtis sizing, you do want to demonstrate? So this, so it depends how you like your stuff. So I'm a, I mean, I mean, it's, people don't know what size we are. I mean, I'm 5'11". Yeah. And this, what was this? this That's is, a medium. This is a, no, you said this was a large. No, the hoodie's a large. And this is a medium? Yes. You, you double check? You want to double uh, check I, 100% that? 100% I don't need 100%, to double check. Yeah, okay. sorry. I remember what I ordered. Um, it's a, I mean, I've got kind of like <laughs> a bit of a thick chest. So Curtis I, I, I'll buff. say it's, it's definitely fitting. Um, length, I would say is good for me. I'm 5'11". Um, if you are taller than that, I mean, I guess you might want a large. If you're thicker, then maybe, maybe you want a large as well. But I mean, maybe they might stretch a little bit as well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably honestly a medium. The medium is perfect for yeah, me. Yeah, I think medium makes me look jacked. Yeah. Um, which is what you want. And then the hoodie, this hoodie is a large and this is perfect for me. So I was a medium Yeah, so that's a, it's a quite, it's quite a fitting hoodie, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a large and it's, and it's, it's. It's not like, it's not tight. It's like a fitting hoodie. It's a good, it like fits well. It's not one of those big baggy ones for a large. And, that's, and you'll say basically the same height as me. Yeah. So, um, so I guess if you're taller than, thicker and taller, then you probably want an extra large, I guess. And Nathan. Yeah. There's lots of different colors as well. Yeah, we'll do different colors. I mean, you can literally select. I've already seen it. it. So, oh, yeah, you so you can, there's so many different options. So you can do okay. whatever you want. Um, and I just went for the darker colors cause I'm just, you know, just dark, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. So there you go. That's the hoodie and yep, this is perfect. It's a large and that's a medium and bam. Yep. Lovely. Okay. Moving on. Solarky. Anyway, you back to your solarky. Really interrupted me, Curtis. All right. No, but we sound we, that right there. We just did our first, uh, you know, like in those shows, like QVC and like, you know, those shows where they like TV advertise and they like. Talk about the product and they show the product. And right, like a, like a shopping channel. Yeah, like a shopping channel. That's what, that's what we <laughs> started the episode off, you know? Maybe we'll do it every episode. We'll, we'll, we'll no, actually we'll, we'll order in a new um, a new color. And we'll be like, now this is the, the the red one and the white one. And, and what do you like about this one, Curtis? Yeah. And, and, and no, how does this solve that, your problems? 
I salute you, Curtis. All yep. right, so yeah, so, so these are some key points. So if I was to write down some summaries over the last two okay. weeks after my solo therapy session that we did. Um, playing less is better for me. I play better, high-intensity, just playing less games. Oh, who would have thought that? Who would have, <laughs> you've been telling me that for a long who time. Who would have thought? Like, I still can. There is some days where I can go an extra stretch if I'm just feeling it, you know, like I'm really pumped and we're just like dominating. But, yep. But I just have that in the back of my mind. Even though like, yesterday I like... I was dominating, but I still cut it off at like three games, basically. Um, even though they're like beautiful games of League of Legends. Like probably my best games this whole season was in the last week, to be honest. Second thing is, is that having a bit of a hard time on my support, my off-roll, I've found that, um, well, firstly, if I start my my day, my three block with a support game, even if I win or lose, I am just completely thrown off for the rest of the block. So you mean... Your intensity yeah. is just lowered yeah. for the next two games. Yeah. And it's been so bad to the point where I've literally just... I remember, I think I had a block this week where I went one loss support and I played absolutely horrible, lost my team the game. The second one, I played like better. Like I played pretty well, I think. It was a Nautilus game, and, but I still lost. And then um, and then, then, my, then I got the third jungle game and I was just completely gone by then. So that's thing. My support shampoo... Also, maybe need some work on Nautilus, but I have some weird mental blocks with Nautilus, but I think I should just play it anyway. And then I may be looking to add Leona to that. I was originally Braum, but you think Braum's a shit change. Well, no, so th- this is what happened, right? Because I, I looked at Nathan's profile and I verse him sometimes. Yeah. And I know that his default support champion is Braum. And Braum is just a really, really average champion. As he's good in certain comps. He's, a, he's, a niche, he's just a niche pick. He's a niche he's pick. A niche yeah. pick. Yeah. And because you need to be quite competent on your second a second role to climb. You can't just... you got to put in work. you got to put in work. You're lazy with your secondary role. And I did that video with Cupcake. Yeah. I got coaching in a way from Cupcake. Mm-hmm. What I said to Nathan is you got to get coaching. You actually yeah, should get support coaching from like Cupcake. Yeah. Do a session or two. You should expand your pool and really develop Champ Master and like two, two support champs. Um, and like have one maybe maybe have like one enchanter and then maybe have like one one engager or maybe you have two engagers you get really good at that whatever it might be but you got to take it seriously not it's not even about the win or loss it's again about the intensity if you come in to that game um with the intention to really kind of maybe even learn or like you're coming with the intention to win that game with that champion and be impactful it has a lasting effect in the rest of your block yep absolutely like if you're just going through the motions, it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the ass. It just throws me off. Yeah. So I, I definitely think uh, so. I'm thinking Leona to be my secondary and Nautilus. Just go all in on the identity of just engage, support. Because um, I mean that's what my jungle style is. Like I've got to win the I'm, I'm gonna win the game. For yeah. My team. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to sit back. When I play Braum, I mean I I do have. A, if you actually look at my stats on my make, I've only played 14 games, but I have a 70 percent win on my Braum. Yeah. But that's because I pick it in certain. Like I will still have it there. I think. Yeah, you can have maybe maybe it's that second pick. Maybe you have one other one, and then you have Braum as a second one or something like that. So that's three champs. You're saying you could have three. You yeah. could, yeah, because you're getting it quite a lot. You can if you yeah, get coaching, you take it seriously. For me, yeah, I mean, I reckon I've probably pissed away 100 LP this last week just because of support right. secondary. I, I think two is best though. Two two yeah. is probably best. Yeah. yeah. So yep. So I need to figure out the support thing. Yep. I mean, it's funny because we literally did an episode last year. You talking about you have to take your support more seriously, your secondary. Um, you, because you you were playing Alistair and you just got rid of it. Yeah. You, you make the decisive decision to get rid of a champion, which yep. is what I need to do with my problem, yep. basically. Yep. So I guess we're just 
can't learn from each other apparently we just have to have, we have we have to <laughs> go through the painful experience ourselves no no no, no 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 let's reframe that question that, that answer that statement sorry yeah. okay what are we referring to you, you can't learn from me yeah i can't learn from you for some reason that's a good point yeah i feel like i've learned from you many times but you you don't learn from me no, you're stubborn dude I'm very stubborn like i've no. told you that whole situation <laughs> yeah. with my okay it's true i'm many times on this podcast. yeah yeah i can't deny that my bad right um so need to figure that one out. Yeah. So I'm pretty much hovering around 400 LP. I'm pretty much stuck there. I'm still playing on my three accounts, still doing that thing. But, yep. But the funny thing is my main is now my highest. Uh, so I might just be sort of cutting that off a little bit. Yep. Uh, and yeah. Because yeah, the night games are just, they're just don't, not working for me. So one, three block a day as you do, I think is my strategy. We'll see how we go. I remember your climb's going to be glacial slow. Yeah. It's going to be like a, a glacier because you've got three accounts, right? If yeah. you're doing one three block a night and you've got three accounts. Yeah, yeah. well, that's not going to work. It's glacial. You can only do one account. That's right. <laughs> you're not you going anywhere. Because like, think about it. Then that's technically, if on one account, it's like six games a week. Yeah. You know, you're not getting You're not anywhere. going anywhere. And that's my learning so far. So you've hit Challenger, um, Curtis? Yeah, I got bottom chow. Um, 600 LP and all. It's the moment. same. It's the same as an A. Is it really? LP cutoff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me. Okay, so a few things turned around for me. Um, yeah, I think I just clicked. Dude. You've just been powering up. Yeah, like I, I think I just adapted. Like I just stuck to my champ pool. I really, like I said on my previous episodes, I'm honing in on my Syndra mastery. I've, I'm actually killing it on Syndra. Slowly working on my Silas still. My learning objectives have been really simple. Yeah, I've got three like really simple learning objectives. It's like track enemy jungle first clear. Um, one of them is literally like just just really focus on not dying. Like as as like even though it's not really actionable learning objective for me, it means a lot. It's more of like a mental thing. We'll talk about that later on in this episode. Um, and I think the other one was just like focus on CS. <laughs> it was just really, really just got back to basic fundamentals mm. alongside slowing it down and focusing on my chair mastery. It's just kind of when the winds have just kind of come really. And uh, I had a conversation on in the Discord the other day saying how this has actually happened most seasons. Most seasons. I kind of get to around 200 LP and I'll sit between 200 to 400 for like a while, like maybe like a month or something like that. When everyone's climbing, right? Everyone's like, Curtis, are you going to, you going to do okay? What's going, on, what's, what's, what's going on? It happens every season. Yeah. And then I get to like, I just kind of get over that barrier. I adjust to the meta, the new season. And then usually I would say, I actually said 600 to 900, I think will be easier for me than 400 to 600. Um, I, I don't feel, I feel like I'm playing better than ever. Games feel pretty simple for me. Um, I just got to execute. So I feel like I sh- it should theoretically be smooth selling for me to 900 LP. I think 900 plus will start to get a bit trickier because the matchmaking gets hard and yeah, like, that's hard games. It's like top 10 on the server basically. At yeah, this point. But, but I think I should be, it should be pretty smooth sailing up until that point for me. Um, as long, cause I'm really, I'm actually not really learning. I don't want to learn anything else outside my pool. I just want to focus on my, just executing for a while. Um, other than that, rock and rolling, man. I'm just feeling good, not overcomplicating things, trying to keep things really simple. Love it, keeping it simple. Yeah, I mean, going back to me, my jungle, I'm pretty confident with my jungle at the moment. Uh, and I'm, again, keeping it simple. Um, I'm focusing a lot, and this is what I said, I basically am still focusing on mid-game movements. Where's my team? Where's the enemy team? I'm really focused on that, my mid-games. And the games that I played this last week 
were just exceptional movement around the map mid game. Like, oh, beautiful. You know, like literally no one takes me so I surprise. Like I know where everyone is. I'm pinging at all for my team, calling my team, giving objectives. Jungle's going good. We're getting good. We're going beautiful. good. Um, I want to talk about poise. Poise. You poise. use that word a lot, Curtis. Poise is interesting. So I'm actually going to read out. I'll see if I can find it. Aris in the the uh, the Discord asked Mid-Lane me. Midlane Academy Discord. We asked me, said something along the lines of Curtis, like, how do you develop poise? How do you get better? How do you become more patient in the games? Because the thing is, what he says specifically was, is how do you develop the confidence to be able to kind of play fast when you need to play mm. fast, but play slow when you need to play slow, and 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 kind of know that you just got to do your job to win the game? Because he says, like, for him. He can't. He can't find that middle ground. He's either playing too slow missing too and, and missing opportunities. opportunities, and like not and just playing loser game in, in a somewhat high elo game, which is not really going to work, and missing basic opportunities, or he's overforcing his his panic mode, missing a bunch of CS, making basic mistakes, dying to ganks, and or just going for really poor quality plays. And he asked me this question: How do you develop poise? And this is an interesting one because it's 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 something that we haven't really delved into like it's, it's a you very haven't made videos on this you've mentioned any videos haven't you it's a mind it's something that i i genuinely haven't figured out how to mm. approach so i actually I, I gave a i replied and and basically what my reply was was that poise is kind of like i feel like it's a byproduct of when you combine all these things like i i it's like when you combine all these i imagine like a like a like a like a solution like a like a chemical right if you mix up three or four different chemicals together you get like this this like beautiful concoction mm. okay so i think it's number one champ mastery you gotta have a lot of champ mastery you gotta know your matchups we're talking mid lane specifically you gotta know your matchups you gotta have a very free mental stack like you gotta have energy like room in your mental stack like you're not getting pushed so hard by your opponents and the, the games aren't so hard that you can't think you gotta so you gotta have a free mental stack um and you also gotta have the underlying confidence in your ability like you have, you just got to have blind confidence in your ability to navigate the mid game, just confidence in your game knowledge, baseline game knowledge. If you can combine all four of those like ingredients and I'd feel free to, if there's any more I'm missing and what that what might look like from the jungle perspective, um, I feel like you get poise. So, cause what's really interesting, I feel like in my journey, there's times where I have it and I'm able to like, and that's what I feel like I got now. I actually have it. I, I can feel it. It's a feeling I head into my games knowing that if I need to do shit, I will do it. If I don't need to do things, I won't. And I feel completely at ease. I'm calm. I'm really, really calm in my games right now. Rewind five weeks ago, I'm not calm. And I think I'm just, I was missing parts of those ingredients. I think I I just didn't have the chair mastery. I was really, I didn't, I wasn't actually confident navigating the mid game and where that stemmed from. It stemmed from me not knowing how to navigate the mid game on my chance because the meta shifted. Remember what I said at the very beginning of the season? I said, I had a lot of success on Casio preseason. I knew exactly how to win games with Cassiopeia because there was no enchanters. In win games. games from the mid game. Yeah, mid game. I was so confident in mid game. Like mm. if, I, if I got to mid game with Casio, I could just dominate. Meta shifted, start of the season. Ch- enchanters, long range 80 carries, jinxes, and then all, these, all this shit that I just can't deal, Casio can't deal with. What happened? I started losing in mid game. I lost my confidence in, mid- in my mid game. I overcomplicated my mid game. So even when I had a good early game, I wasn't poised in mid game. I just wasn't poised. I felt really f- pressured. And that's where I started to get really in my head. So now it's kind of, 
I would say the enchantment is dying down a little bit, but also I've just adapted to the, the way games are playing. So how do, you, how do you adapt to long range as Cassio in the mid game? You just got to, I feel like you just got to just be patient. You just got to be extremely patient. Like mm. before I was, I felt like I was the king of the world and I could just do whatever. I could like flash go in and like I could, I could do things. Mm. And, and, and now I have to be very, very patient and, and, and play more peel Casio. Like I'm playing a lot more peel oriented Casio. Like I'm grouping on my AD carry and creating space for my mm, AD carry I a lot like of the it. time. Yeah. Um, so I just made some adaptations there. But, but anyway, poise is not something that you have and you have it forever. It's something it that comes and goes. It comes yes. and goes. Yes. It comes, it, it, it might, you might have it at a specific ELO range and then you get to like a new ELO bracket and you're getting pushed and your mental stack is overwhelmed. Boom, you lose your poise. You add a new champ pool, a championship pool. Boom, your poise is gone. Um, the you, meta shifts. You overcomplicate a problem. That makes people worse a lot. Like they start thinking like this is their problem and they lose track of the basics. 100%. That, I mean, that's happening Adding in a new so learning objective. Add yeah. a new learning objective. Boom, mental stack overwhelmed. Again, not, not, not poise. You lose that poise. Poise is something that really comes and goes. It's kind of like... Like again, the end product, it's, it's the culmination of everything put together. It's when everything is clicked and then you can kind of get to that final point. Um, I've got one more thing to add on to that, but do you have anything here before we go further on that? I mean, you, you went specific in terms of the elements that create poise for you in the mid lane. Yeah, talking about yeah. lane matchups and stuff. Yeah. I would say it's impossible to feel poise and be calm and controlled over a game of jungle if you can't jungle track. Okay. Like the, I think jungle tracking is That's the, the foundation. most foundation because you simply don't have control because you're re, you're then reactive React that, and then that's purely that's not reactive. Poise, is it? You know, can't, you can't be poised if you're reactive. Yeah. You got to be able to. What's the word? You got to foresee or expect things to happen. Because when you don't jungle track, it, anything could happen, right? They, mm. they could pop up bot, they could pop top, they could pop mid. Yep. I mean, if you're going for a gank and you're not expecting them, like, where's the poison that, There's right? no anticipation. Yeah. How do you anticipate? You can't anticipate. Yeah, 100%. So that, that will be one of the key ingredients as well as the other ones that you talked about. What's it? Niall actually added a point that was really interesting that I agree with on this. He said, um, what you generally want to do as well, in, I think this is more in regards to the champ mastery specific element. I talk about it in terms of like... A, like a car. When okay, let's talk F one. I'm gonna use F one analogy. Let's say you are dry, you're trying to get the maximum, like the perfect speed around a corner. You're gonna you gotta see how what your car can do around a corner. You know they're they're chasing milliseconds, right? Like tiny, tiny, tiny times. So every single time they go around the lap, they'll get a little bit better, right? Because you, you know, maybe they, they go just a little a smidgen faster in this this angle, this corner, and they go a smidgen slower in, an, in another one. They're trying to like push the limits of the car incrementally each and every lap to figure out what the, the car is capable of in a way. So what you do, you go, you probably go too fast at certain times and you might, you might get a bit shaky and feel like, okay, I could actually just crash here. But then you might go too slow in certain corners and be like, oh wow, this is I could actually go faster here. So what you actually want to do when you're when you're learning a champion and really developing like that next level of champ mastery, you actually want to rev the shit out of the car and go as fast as you possibly can. Even sometimes crashing and, and you will crash and you'll die. crash. Yeah. You're dying in this case. But in that analogy, your car, your car your will car, be broken. Yeah, yeah, well, that yeah. But then you also want to go very slow and just to make sure, like you, you know, what it feels like to go really slow, and so you can calibrate. You can kind of find that sweet spot. A lot of people they go really fast. They'll play their champion really fast, really chaotically. Go, 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 go but they won't know what it feels like to farm 10 CS per minute and just play off your power spikes. Mm. You gotta know what both feels like. You gotta know what it feels like to play very slow mm. conservative, playing off your key spikes, 
then then and do both and calibrate. The most interest, one of the most interesting experiences I've had with League was with Jace, and I did this. I had only ever played Jace before very fast lane dominant. That was kind of like back in the day. Jace was very like every trade, every minion you're going for, you're, you're going to be pressure. You'd play with ignite. You'd even play like phase rush or like go for like heavy trades with hammer. You just be very fast. My mindset was in a fast mm. mindset, right? Even at the sacrifice of creeps. Then the meta of Jace shifted, right? A little bit. And Jace is actually a mid to late game scaling pick now. It's not an early game at all. You don't even really win lane. So you actually, then what I did is that I said, okay, I'm actually going to say no to every trade, basically. I'm not really going to interact. I'm just going to purely focus on my farm. Perma farm like nine, 10 CS per minute to Eclipse and then see what I can do. Once I felt that, I started to realize, wow, this is what this champion can actually do if I can farm really well. It got, it allowed me to really calibrate better with my Jace at the time when I was playing Jace. So if you are trying to, again, develop that poise, you've got to go through that process at some point. And I'm assuming that's the same in jungle as well, isn't it, to a certain degree? Like, you've got to know what it feels like to be a, a really, really farmed ex-champion, like a Lee Sin or something, and then someone that, when you're just perma-ganking and forcing plays and all that, and know what that feels like. Would you, is, is, would you agree with that? Or is that relevant in jungle? How does that work? So I'd say the way it works for jungle is more so. Uh, so let's say if I'm playing Rek'Sai, Based on the lane matchups, I will know whether it's going to be a faster or slower game. Right. Right. So if I'm seeing, let's say, a Karma bot versus a Senna bot or something, that's going to be pretty chaotic. Poke, heavy trading. Heavy trading. And I see like a Yone mid against a Silas. And then I see a... Aurelia v. Fiora. Yeah. Right. That's a fast pace game. So I'm already in the mindset where I have a lot of options this game. Right. And if the enemy jungler is playing a Scalian champ... They should also be prepared that I'm going to put on the, the acceleration. So they need to be, you know, farming jungles, I still think that getting level four is pretty important. But, you know, if a wave's in a certain position, you still need to skip your camps for it. You should, you know, you know, because it, it could be game losing. you got to do what you got to do, yeah. You know, if your lander gets fucked completely, it doesn't matter how scaling you are of a jungle, you're not going to get even mm, get to that close mm, in the game, right? Mm. So, and then there's other games where, yeah, you're going to have to full clear as, mm. as Rex are. I mean, I was versus in a game versus Hecarim yesterday. The Hecarim um, was probably up like 40, 50 CS. I was like zero 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 at nine minutes, and uh, yeah, we still won that game at twenty five minutes because I was just poisoned. I just waited for a couple of opportunities. One mistake, bam. Okay, that's fascinating, Nathan. How do you capture that? Yeah, champ mastery. Yeah, yep. Uh, Let's ignore everything I just said. Yeah. And if you were to think about that exact feeling you had in that game, yep. how did you? How did you have it? I had Why a, do you have it? I had a clear win condition with Vayne versus. Uh, I think that it was a. Hecarim and a uh, Jack's top and a it was like a silencement of normal support so Vayne can just kite the shit out of right, it right okay so I knew that as long as my Vayne was through, so I just hard play because I was okay. ditching camps to help Bob right yeah and what I was actually doing I was predicting some ganks by the Hecarim that he just never ganked so I was getting really fucking far behind but uh, you know I, I definitely could have I definitely think he had a moment to win the game but he sort of screwed up um so, so wing con assessment was a big condition. one. Yeah, huge clear. So that was condition. your reference point. You had a really clear reference yep. point. Yeah. Yep. And uh, what else? Well, you, you must have had trust in your ability to execute in mid game, surely. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I visualized again, like the way I'll play mid game fights. Like, well, literally, all it is is I peel vein. So you knew exactly what your role was. I will prowl you knew exactly claw. how you were going to play fights. You were never going to dive the back line. No. You're always going to just peel this vein. I'm going to prowl's claw the Hecarim when he ults, and yep. Vayne's going to ult up. and tumble, and we're just going to one shot him. Right. That's actually really big, by the way. That what you just said there, like you knew exactly 
how to play fights. It stemmed from your role and it stemmed from your wing con. See that? It went from wing con to role to then how you play fights. That's the breakdown I did, I guess, in my head. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why I was poised that game. And yeah, on paper, anyone could look at that game and be like, this game's over, just FF. Like you're playing an early game yep. jungler and you're against a Hecarim that's scaling. And you could have lost, but that's, that's besides yeah, the point. Sure. Yeah, yeah, But we still won. You know, we, yeah. we, we, I got the jump You up. maximize the chances of winning that game Correct. by identifying your role and executing it. If I was not poised, I would have made that game impossible to win for my yep. team. You would have been a loose way. con. Yeah, I would have been in a loose condition. It's a really interesting... That's a really... It's a, what you just did there is bloody hard to do. Yeah, so it's so hard. You have to have the mental port, like the mental resilience to do it as well. Well, you've got to have the the lessons of losing a fuck ton as well by by you know by not, forcing by forcing and not playing around. Right. The right. So that's tying like, back to that other analogy, right? The F one, you got to like push. You've you've forced and you've done the other side. Like you've actually revved the shit out of the car. You've gone to the extreme and and crashed and burnt, <laughs> and then you can reflect on that. And that's those painful experiences that you can like dwell on in a way. Yeah. I would say most of my gameplay is based on painful experiences. Right. Interesting. It's not so much of like knowing what right to do. It's more knowing what not to do. Interesting. Really. Yeah. That's no, a that's huge part of my gameplay. Cause what, um, what my, my, my Fiora was flaming me. Yeah. Well, I mute all right, but she was yep. spamping me. So I had to mute her ping. Yeah. Right. I yep. don't even know what she probably was saying yep. in the chat. My mid laner was stealing my camps because I wasn't helping. So I was literally getting my my camp oh stolen my as well. Gracious me! Um, I, I should probably bring this game up as an example, make a video on this, right? Yeah. Because it, actually, it's I will, like worst I mean, case scenario. Yeah, it's like, it's like you game. will explode any mentally. Explode. Like it's not even just not knowing your role; it's more mentally staying, mentally staying, in, staying the game, in the game, yeah, yeah. trying to still hard. Like yeah. literally, but I wasn't saying anything. I was just going to take all my camps, <laughs> oh my all good. God. Getting flamed by my top laner, he's getting solo killed by Jax. He's lost the tower at like oh nine, ten minutes. Goodness gracious! You know, so that's the peak of poise. Yeah, I would say that. You know, I said the, the games this week have been my best games yet. I think that that's because example. of the, the poise that I've had in the those games. wins feel really good. Oh though. yeah, fuck those yeah. feel so. That's good how win. you climb in in the game. Yeah, because remember that win is not just a plus eight, seventeen LP. That's a, a you didn't 30, lose it. It's plus 34. It's plus 34. It's plus 34, yeah, because you didn't lose it. Because yeah. if you lost it, then you would have to make up... 34 LP. 34 LP, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. So that's my definition of a code. That's some experiences that I yeah. have. Yeah. I mean, but you, you really got to latch onto those ones, though. You got to remember them. Like, you got to remember... You got to latch onto oh, those Oh, for sure, ones. yeah. Those are like the, the, your... It's like up there that your greatest achievements, you got to like remember them, what it felt like, visualize what that felt like. Yeah. I think as well, once you feel what one of those games is like, like if you just happen to do one of them once, like it's just a feeling. It, 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 it's like, just a feeling, isn't it? The way, like, oh, you just, know, skill just, trees in, in, in MMOs and stuff, yeah. you like unlock. It's like a new area, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 100%. Like let's say the Jace 10 CS example and stuff like that, the slow, that's like an unlock. You didn't even yeah. know this was possible. This ex Okay, so one of my big breakthroughs, so I actually spoke to, I don't know, did, did I talk about me and why I was playing Syndra and everything in, in the BBC last episode or not? You might have touched on a little bit, but I don't know how, there's okay. no detail here. So what, someone asked me in the MLA, why am I playing Syndra? Yeah. Because I, I said this, like I had a, I've had a huge mental block with Syndra. Like, it's my, it's my worst mage. It, it doesn't make sense on paper for me to not be good at Syndra. I was great at Ori. It, it was my best champs, Ori. Yeah. Victor, I was great at. Mm. Every other control mage I'm amazing at. It's like my strength. Syndra, even though it's basically identical to Oriana and Victor, might maybe have like a little bit of extra CC, I'm, I was terrible at. I was always terrible at. And, 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 and what I did, right? And this is going to segue into the next thing. I basically realized, I said to myself one day, I'm going to play my Syndra like Ori. 
my mindset when I play Ori, what I noticed, and I was delusional about this, it was actually very different to when I played Syndra. When I played Syndra, I, I had this narrative where I, I had to just like, go, go, go. I have to dominate my opponent, right? And yeah, sure. I, I would say Syndra can dominate an opponent more. But I said to myself, you know what? I'm actually going to tone it down a bit. I'm going to play as if I play Ori. Play it a, a touch slower, be a little bit more conservative, focus on my CS a little bit more. Just like, just pretend I'm playing Oriana right now. And then it switched my mindset. My farm numbers skyrocketed. And I just felt really poised and relaxed. And I just felt really confident that I could win. Even if, it, even if the confidence was made up, I, it was like, I was like being borderline delusional. It just, it, it overcome my mental block. So mm. where my mental block actually formed was that I was, I was perceiving Syndra as this unrealistically crazy lane bully that was reducing my CS numbers, which was then making me less useful in mid-game, which was losing me games. And then that was pushing the narrative even further that the champ was just bad or I'm bad at the champion. Yeah. And so I just pretended that I'm playing another champion, which leads me... How did you get to that point? As in, how do I... How do why, I yeah, why would you, you not just give up when you... Like, why did you want to even try and make it work? I wanted to prove to myself that, like, I could do it, I guess. Like, I... Because I'd always taken the easy way out with Syndra. I'd always said, no, nah, there's not champ for me. I'm just yeah. going to play. Like, I'd always I'd always defaulted to, like, if I'm playing Syndra, just play Victor or Nori. You're better at it. That was my... And I got sick of doing that. I'm like, no, I want to play Syndra because I fundamentally believe that I'm. Uh, it's better, in, 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 at least in my games. And I want to learn it. And I want to be able to play Syndra to the same level as my... Like, I wanted to prove myself that I could do it because... It just doesn't make sense to me. Why would I? Why would I give in to this me- mental block? Why would I give in to it and say that I can't do it? I, I feel like that just is, is just pushing a-, a fixed mindset, you know. So I just got sick of it. I said, "Had en- I've had enough. I'm doing it no matter what. Yeah. I'm going to figure it out." Yeah, like, you're going to figure it out. Okay. Like and, even if I'm going to lose. And so that was your mindset. You're going to figure it out. Yeah. Did I'm you gonna- try other things, or was the first thing you did? Yeah. No, I tried other things and it didn't work. Like, so, as in, like, I tried I, the, my first few games with Syndra, like, when I was getting into it, my first eight games, I was, I was overforcing. I was, I was still, I was playing the old Syndra that I did before. And then it, it kind of clicked. I'm like, it was just an idea at the time. Yeah. It was actually an idea. So you had no idea it was going to work. You're no, like, I had no idea. This didn't fucking work. Yeah. Let's just try this. Yeah. It was like, I'm just going through, I'm just going to try everything available. All the tools that I have in my arsenal until one of them works to undo yeah. whatever <laughs> mental block I had. Cause I, I, I genuinely couldn't pinpoint what my mental block was though. Mm. Because a mental block, a lot of the time, it's you don't know what it is. No, yeah. You know it's something there, but you don't know what it is exactly. You probably create a narrative around what it is, and it might actually be that. There might be something underneath that's there right. as well you have to uncover. And that's why a lot of the time, coaching can be so great. Or getting it through an, an outside opinion. perspective. But yeah. I didn't have that, right? So I just kind of figured it out myself over time. Um, there's literally no one who knows that play Syndra, right? No one no is one. good at Syndra. No. The, the, the last really good Syndra... I mean, Shock used to be pretty good at Syndra, mm. um, but Fantix was like the only other good Syndra that used to play it really well. Yeah. But going back to this, my, my whole... Like, my, my year... Like, I have themes in my years, I've noticed. Like, every ranked... Like, I can think back and all, like... Each of my ranked years, seasons, has been like a theme. And... Because I, I remember when I got um, when I started my YouTube channel the year that was that was twenty twenty end of twenty nineteen so twenty twenty that season the twenty twenty yeah, season twenty twenty season that yeah. was all about improving my micro that was my micro season that was when like my micro was bad and mm. then I really honed in I laser focused on my micro that entire year essentially like I really leveled up my micro because I remember getting dominated by Eminem's the Korean player who was in Oost and I like, like a few moments it's like I can remember the game like I can remember a game while I was playing Ori into his Lucian. 
three years ago or yeah. whatever, two years ago. You can remember the I can game. remember that game crazy. getting shit on and the yeah. feeling I got and I said, this is a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to fix this. Yeah. Um, and so that became my year. And I, I think last year was more me, I think that was like really broadening my understanding of like mid-game and like more champions, like really understanding, like getting a, a way more diverse view of the game. Like, because I did a lot of different guides and I and I worked with a lot of different clients last year. Like I really got a diverse, holistic look at the the game in a way and I played that's where I really started to go deep on my fizz last year as well I got a really interesting view of the game last year like I, I feel like I was more of a, a control mage player in 20, 2020 2021 was really expanding outside getting outside my comfort zone more melees like Solace yeah, and fizz yeah I was and, really good at fizz fizz was my yeah, think about that my fizz was good. my best champ yeah. I got most of my LP with fizz yeah um, I, I just overcome a lot of mental blocks and then this year the theme is actually actually slowing it down I'm actually simplifying everything I'm actually like kind of my mentality in all of my games at the moment actually is how can I do less? Sometimes doing less is doing more. I feel like who's going through that whole process of expanding my style and then also going deep on micro. I've tried to become too, I've tried to do too much. So when I started going down that journey of watching other high European players, I noticed they were doing less than me. It looks like they're trying, like they're not as aggressive as me. And I'm like, that's a problem. If this guy's, 1300 LP on the European server and it looks like they're playing less aggressive than me. That's a problem. So I'm playing, un- I'm being overly aggressive. So every- I'm toning down everything right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to my jungle tracking. I'm going back to my CSing. Like this is the theme of this year on all my champs, actually on my Casio. Another interesting, this is like the last little thing. I'll talk about this, but I noticed that I overpushed, and this is kind of tying into the narrative as well. I overpushed on every champion. I would push, push, push. Like I just push. A waves then look for a room opportunity. Yeah, like because that stemmed from last season. Yeah. Last season, when I played Fizz and all this Galio, I played a lot of champs that like very pressure oriented, playing a fast paced pressure map oriented style. Because twenty twenty was more control majors dominate lane, so Victor Ori etc. Twenty twenty one Fizz Galio etc. I was playing very TF, playing very pressure oriented. I want to be a very holistic yeah. player, right? In the process of doing so, I completely uh. forgot the importance of keeping neutral state or keeping the wave on my side. My narrative was, never, you didn't do why would I ever year. do that? I, yeah. I just want to, don't play for me, play for everyone else and yeah. I'll win the game for you mm. like later on. I'll help, I will make the game as easy as possible for you to win. I'll make, make it easy for them to win, right? Well, in champs like TF and Galio and, and stuff. And Spheres and stuff, it makes correct, sense. correct, yeah. So, but right? you just got that But I got so tunneled in that style yeah. that now when I started, I realized this season, why am I shoving this? Interesting. I'm actually shoving. Why am I shoving this? Why am I touching this wave? Don't touch it. Six then brought it to my attention. He said, Curtis, stop shoving. Just keep a neutral state. Mm. And we both realized at the same time, wow, neutral state is overpowered. Mm. Neutral state is so good. It is beautiful. My, my, my goal in most lanes right now. A, a neutral state wave for me looking to gank a mage, it's pretty much a gankable neutral state. It gives me so much flexibility. Yeah. I can adapt to pressure. I can get it if I need it. I can trade aggressively, but I'm not vulnerable. It just gives me so many options. I can, and then again, I can stop touching the wave and they'll might shove me in and then I can set up a gank if I need it, right? Yep. And then I can slow build waves. It gives me so much flexibility. So in most of my games now, you'll see in my Syndra, my Casio, um, even Silas, all these champs, I'm either pulling the wave slightly on my side or I'm keeping neutral state and then turning into slow builds and into resets or something like that beautiful way more conservative way more conservative slowing it down a little bit i'll do my job but i'm playing more for myself and this is again it's actually deep it's it's a deep narrative it was a deep narrative for me it was more that was my identity my identity was out of shove and move and help everyone else now it's about me 
now it's about me and doing my job and being that kind of like carry in a way. And and I've actually really started to hone in on that in my coaching. I've actually ch- I've altered the way I coach a little bit now. I've actually gone deeper on wave states. Why yeah. are you shoving this? What are we getting from shoving here? Mm. It's 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 a goddamn epidemic, dude. It's in every rank. Really, it's a huge and because yeah. pressure, yeah. it feels good. It feels good to shove a wave. If you're playing like rise, it feels good to EQ the wave. If you're playing TF, TF, it feels good to like red card Q the wave. Like people love pressure. Midlanders love pressure because. It's so painful to not be at a giving skirmish. So instead of getting granular and being like, okay, mm. I could see how this could be something happening, then I'm going to get pressure. Their default response becomes, I'm going to just get pressure as much as I possibly can. And they don't look at the dangers. Like they don't actually step back and be like, wow, this wave state's actually cooked for me. Like it actually feels really bad. Will you look at, will you assess a side lane based on whether you want to do a certain thing with a, with a wave state? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. if, I mean, if I see bot wave slow building and then I can shove that wave and die, okay. yeah, I'll do that, cool, of course. Yeah. But like, but I'm saying this is more like pre. This is more like one to eight minutes. Yeah, it's like the first eight minutes. Yeah, because post not eight nine minutes. Uh, you, yeah, I was nine gonna ten say, minutes. Yeah. You're shoving anyway. Yeah, push in wave. This is all. Is very this effective. is zero to eight minutes. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like a mid pushing in early game doesn't really doesn't threaten do me much. much as a jungle. And you just now with all the creative jungle pass with like the three camps and mm. stuff, you just I just die. You just mm. die. Like, I was dying so much at the start of the season because I'm just shoving and then, like, Hecarim would three-camp gank me. And I'm like, from... And I don't know where to ward because mm. I can do so many different gank paths. Yeah. Rex, I can do so many different gank paths. I'm just going to die. So I just... I just playing way more conservative. So that's my that's my whole thing. That's actually why I've, I think, been getting way more success. Um, and that ties into, yeah, kind of how I broke down that problem. I played Syndra like Oriana, which leads into the second topic. Do you want to kick that one off about the scaling? Uh, yeah, so pretending, the key one is pretending your champ scales. So obviously we had, there's a general consensus, you know, you go on any sort of Reddit thread or community, mm. this champ is an early game champion, this game is a late game champion. Right, so you think of the traditional Vlad, Cassidy, yeah, and junglers like the Shivana, um, Diana, Diana, Echo, whatever. Echo, yeah. Like these like, hi, these like Hypers, Karthus, like they, late game, These that's what you think of automatically. You think of, if you go late game against these champs, like you just lose the game. Like these are the, these are the hyper carries. Mm. If you're not one of those champions, if you're like Elise, you have a time Sam, to win the game. You, you can't scale. You don't no. scale. You got to do something. You know, you got to do something. Otherwise mid game, it's over. And, um, the danger of thinking like that, what's your experience with this, Nathan? The danger of thinking that, I mean, it ties on a little bit to the poise. I'm not going to be poised. I'm going to make a play that doesn't make much sense based on the current information that I have and the mm. factors that makes a good play a good play in League of Legends. Um, just this, this unease in the game where the game just, oh, I can't, it's hard to explain, but I can tell when I'm poised or not, right? Like, it's very obvious. And and a key thing with that factor, especially with the end of champ, I think there's, a, there's only applies to early game champions, though, I feel like. When, when yeah, we're saying that an early, game, an early game champion pretending for it to scale helps... Poise. Use, poise. And just get into the mindset where just again, take high percentage plays and being comfortable losing a game if there's no options available, right? More often than not, there is going to be, and there's very rare, unless you get into high, 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 high ELO, there's going to be zero options, you're just going to slowly fall over. Actually, I've seen those games in Platinum and stuff reviews as well, to be honest. But I think it's just powerful to just pretend that your champs, literally tell yourself, like, I'm Rek'Sai, I scale. Yep. I'm, I'm Elise. I'm Elise, I scale. 
what's mid champs at an early game? Okay, let's flesh this out a little bit because I know we're going to get a lot of hate for this if we don't flesh it out. Okay. I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to give you this is an example that I know definitively yep. because of my mindset I won. And if I had my old mindset, I would have lost. Syndra. We're talking about Syndra before, right? I came up against, um, I think it was Chungi, and he was playing Karthus mid into my Syndra. And um, Karthus mid is surprisingly hard to kill, like in lane in the 1v1. Like he has a lot of wave clear, like low cooldowns, and like. I can say that. It's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of annoying, and they take exhaust. It's really annoying. And. Um, and I took Ghost, and, and I remember thinking to myself, I think I, I even went a pretty early game setup as well. I went Seapot, I went like uh, Scorch and everything. I tried my best to like really get harass on this guy, but I slowly realized over the course of the first like two minutes 30 in the lane, I'm not getting anywhere. Like he's just, he's just going to reset. I don't actually have kill threat onto this guy early, early game. Um, I can't kill him, and I, I actually can't even get pressure onto this guy. Like he's actually, clear, his wave clear is way too good. Uh, I can't do anything. And this is where old Curtis would go into panic mode. This is where I would start to progressively throughout the lane, miss more and more CS over, like start to tunnel more and more onto the Karthus on my trades. Jungle awareness goes down. Warding goes down. Mm. Um, Resource management goes down. Wave management goes to shit. CS goes to shit. Everything went to shit because again, my, my narrative would have been I'm Syndra, they're Karthus. Well, I need to, I need to do guy. something and kill this guy. Otherwise, yeah. I lose the game. Yeah. That's the underlying narrative, right? What I did this time, I said, okay, I can't kill this guy. You know what? He can't kill me either. <laughs> I'm just going to farm. I farmed, I think it was like 9.5, 9 basically 10 CS per minute on Syndra. I got to my Ludens. I got to my Sorks. And I started, I think I got my, my nearly so large rod component. Mid game comes around. I am a strong Syndra. Like, I'm scary, dude. Like, if anyone comes in, I'm one-shotting whoever mm -hmm. comes near me. Like, I'm a 10 CS per minute. I think it was like 100, 185 CS by 19 minutes. If anyone comes near me, I was the only AP on my team as well. I'm going to kill you. And then it came to like mid-game. Um, and then we're in like, we're in like some, just chilling around like the, it's kind of like borderline, like a, a river skirmish. Carlos kind of like walks up. I just QE, one-shot. And with my R, QE, W, R, one-shot, walk and run away with my ghost. I'm like, oh, yeah, theoretically, this guy scales and he does a lot of AOE damage, but I just one-shot this guy. Mm. And I remember, like, I, I felt so, like, after that game, and I just dominated, and I just felt really useful. I felt more impactful than the Carthus because I just executed my chant well in mid-game. And you're So, again, you're pretending that you I scaled. pretend, I told myself in the game, yeah. I scale. And in a way, I kind of do. Like, if I farm well, yeah, you do. What's the thing? Like, you do. Dude, if I'm at 90 CS Rek'Sai at 13 minutes, I am you, strong. I one-shot anyone. A Lee Sin that is farmed and, and gets two kills in the early game, they're not, they're not falling off. No. If you play your champ well, that, is, that Lee Sin is not... They get Gore Drinker. They're not falling off. And a Lee that gets ahead, really ahead, and farms well... They don't fall off, dude. They, they will one shot if they will one shot combo. anyone. Yeah, they will one shot. Into, we're talking thirty minutes into the game. They're gonna, they are gonna be useful no matter what in that game and scale very well into mid to late game no matter what. Now, this mindset, you know, you got to be careful. It doesn't mean you don't take opportunities. It's more, it, it's coming from a place of okay, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna focus on my farm. I'm gonna take the opportunities that that present themselves. The key is not to panic. The key is just to not to panic and play off your items, play off your champ's identity, identify your role in the comp, do your job. Most of the time, if you do that well, 
you're going to increase it. You're going to significantly increase the chances of winning that game. Old Curtis would have lost that game 110%. Yeah. Because I would have been useless. I would have been... I would have probably been like 90 CS by 15 minutes or something like that or 100 CS at 15 minutes. I would have been way weaker. I would have probably died to a gank and I probably would have just panicked and overstepped in mid-game and died. It's the underlying mindset. Pretending your champ hyperscales. Yep. You gotta like be delusional and be delusional. Yeah. Be delusional. Feel and, and then try that. See what it feels like. See what it feels like. Again, going back to the F1, feel, go, see what it feels like to go like the extreme of the car and then go back. Know what it feels like to go really, really, really slow and conservative. What does it feel like? Mm. Both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can apply it to all champs. All champs, yeah. I mean, even thinking about me playing Nautilus, I will view myself as, I mean, you know, you don't really get in farm as a support role, but... Support waiting for just one or two engage opportunities. But let's be careful because I think support you can you do get value from being poised. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. support, if you're poised with support and you're patient, and like with Bard and Thresh and these shams, like you can do a lot of work. But I think support kind of doesn't it's really exemplify the, yeah. the, the this this one fully because yeah. you don't farm. Yeah. You know, you really want to play. You don't play off spikes as a support that well. You know. Well, there is an element I mean, of roaming, like with enchanters. I guess you do. You can. Well, with Nautilus, sometimes I overrun, I overcomplicate things because I have to get something done. Right, and you screw your 80 carry or something. Well, I'm screwing my carry, but I'm also like two levels behind. Right. Yeah, that's like really roaming good. does affect the experience. It does. Yeah, it does. It does. But I would say that's also with you probably not understanding how to roam. Yeah. The supports. Yeah. I think it's like an underlying well, knowledge problem for you. Going roaming again. Well, that's the narrative though. It's like I have to do things early again. That's why I'll right. force a bad support. I know what it, I could look at it and be like, even in the moment, I feel this is fucking not going to oh, okay, work. Okay, right, you right. You know? I'm not like running around and being like, oh, I hope this works. It's like, uh, uh, this is this is probably not going to work. I probably should have stayed in lane for that two waves and helped my AD carry. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a mindset. It really is a mindset. So have a go at that. If you're out there and you haven't tried this before, no matter what your champion is, and again, we're not saying blindly... <laughs> don't do shit like not like you're not doing anything but just have the mentality that your champion scales it can and i and another person that exemplifies this beautifully is milk puddle milk puddle i mean i've mentioned him a few times on on the bbc he does it with zed he plays like a scaling zed dude it's terrifying i've seen him farm like you know i've reviewed games of his where he's just farming really really well super poised just capitalizing on the mistakes of the enemy and then he gets into mid-game at like, you know, 135 CS at 15 minutes as a Zed. Terrifying. If, you, if you've seen a, a fed, a farmed Zed... Yeah, they, it's they are very scary. It's scary yeah. as the, hell, man. That chance fails insanely well. The, if, 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 if a Zed's WEQ combo can do insane damage, it's sort of like... Oh. That's the most threatening thing because it's a zero commit. I'm going to voice Felipe here. And I told Felipe, Felipe brought in a Zed VOD and... He, his mentality, I can straight away tell him, I can even see it in Volga you yeah. You're playing as if you're champ, you're, you're, you're panicking. Yeah. Dude, you scale completely fine this game. Mm. I told him. And I showed him this Volga view I did with Milk Puddle and, Milk, uh, uh, and I told Milk Puddle as well like to give him some advice. This, I'm going to roast Felipe again. Play your champ as if it scales. Do it. Tell And know what it feels like. It'll blow your it'll blow your brain, all right? It is. It does. It breaks a lot of narratives that you. It see will break a the, lot. It broke my syndrome, which I thought was unbreakable. Unbreakable. 
That's someone who's studied the game. You've you've been you've seen Sindra and Metas and pro play for ten years. Yeah, that, I've had that mental block for years, yeah. for like five years, more. <laughs> yeah. All right, so coming on to our weekly segment of Nathan's Twitter Goblin, you know, finding Twitter things, Twitter yep. takes. You're a Twitter addict because all well, the League of Legends communities on Twitter, Curtis, and I want to see what's what's everyone's opinions, what's going on, you know. How can we get this? How can we incorporate break down break down some narratives that we see? You know, in the, know, that's our job, Curtis, on the BBC. We <laughs> yeah, we, we okay. break down a narratives. It's yeah? one of the descriptions in our <laughs> in our contract that we get from our employer. What about right games? Yep, from yep. right games. All right, uh, this is from a tweet from Kitty Wy. She's been on our podcast yep. before. She great. Always, We'd had a great episode with her and Gabby. And the title, the, the topic we explored that one. You can go back. It's episode thirty something. Was can there ever be a female world champion? Yep. And Kitty kills it in solo queue. She's consistently high elo. She's like 900 LP challenger. Last season, I think she was like 1k LP. She kills it. She's a, she's a pragmatist. She's no, not a theorist. She, she executes. Yeah. And we wouldn't be bringing a take on this podcast if it wasn't had exactly. merit. Right? She's got merit. So this she's is her got take. Merit, yeah. And I thought this was really interesting to share because we've had people write into us before on the Broken by Concept saying they have mental blocks and they feel down because people flame them for playing Enchanters and they feel like they're forced to play engaged support, otherwise they say they're not good at the game. So this is her take. This is the quote, the tweet. Uh, Enchanters are less engaged focused and more about positioning and disengage. What's the skill difference between Lulu W and Nautilus R? Both are point and pick CC. When people say that it's easy to get Challenger with Enchanters, then why don't I say you get in it? Drop the ego. There's a bit of a bit of a, an attack at the end there. Jab. So talking about skill differences between Enchanter supports, what do you think of this take, Curtis? What's going on here? Well, I think we we I think we really need to kind of be on both sides here and look at both sides. Absolutely. So I think I think Enchanter players they get a rough. What's the, what's the what's the saying? They I feel like they 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 uh they get a lot of hate unnecessarily because I I totally agree with the with the with the part of the tweet where it's like. If it's that easy, then you do it, right? If it's that easy to get Challenger as, as an Enchanter one trick, then do it. Um, so you cannot say that it's easy. A lot of people kind of say it's, oh, it's anyone can do it. You know, anyone yeah. can align with Enchanters. Then do it. A lot of people do play Enchanter supports and then and die eight times in lane like me. So I don't think it's it's definitely not easy. Um, so that, let's lay that out there, okay? We need to give merit where it's due and give props when it's due. Um, getting that high LP, no matter what champion you're playing, yeah, is difficult. It's, it's difficult. It requires a lot of champion mastery. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand the game very well. And Kitty does understand the game very well. Um, now, I, I, I agree that that, that um, it requires good positioning and you've got to be good at disengaging, right? And a lot of enchanters. Lulu, it's all about disengaging. An interesting thing, though, is that, you know, the, the not having the pressure of being the engaged, though, is objectively, I would say it, it definitely makes the game a little bit easier than comparatively, right? So yep. like the way I envision it, right, is imagine, yep. okay, imagine, let's actually tie it back to loser's game and winner's game, tennis. Mm. Let's tie mm. back to tennis, actually. It's mm. a really, really good one. Let's say um, in a game of tennis, you're, you, you're versing someone that kind of like wasn't overly competent in tennis and you were quite competent. So you, you knew that you would win the game, the match, 
no matter what, if you just return, return their serves, their, you don't even think about winning. You don't think about shot, winning. Just return, return their shots because eventually they'll miss a shot. You don't even you don't you don't need to take do any risky shots. Mm. You're just gonna return their shots because you know eventually that they're gonna mess up. They're gonna they're gonna overforce. They're gonna tr- try and try and beat you too hard, um, and they're gonna hit the net at some point or hit it out. The analogy where I feel like this is kind of relevant. I'm not saying perfectly relevant, but kind of relevant to enchanted versus engaged boards is. To a certain degree, to a certain like elo range, I feel as though um, enchanters play this losers game style. The losers we call it losers game versus winners game. Um, this defensive esque style, capitalizing on the mistakes of the enemy style, works very well up until it works really well up until say master tier and most servers. I would say it's a very reliable way of climbing. Now that that's not to say that you can't be good at your champion. It's not to say that you kind of bad positioning. You're still going to be competent. Hmm. But you don't have the pressure of knowing that you've got to hit a, 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 a game-winning shot. You don't have to because you know that they're going to mess up at some point. So there's that missing factor of not having to do something crazy to win the game. Objectively, it's easier. Objectively, there's one mm. less element. There's one less part of the mindset that you, you just don't have to think about. Mm. I know this actually as well because I did... This, I mean, I actually started playing a lot of Sona. <laughs> so I came from... I was... Uh, on my secondary, I played a lot of. I used to play like Nautilus and Bard, essentially mm. a lot of Bard. Mm. I was the I was the person who just played Bard. Now Bard, I wouldn't say is the best example because again, I am quite utility focused as well. When I played Sona, definitely wasn't easy. I died a Metroton, and I still probably do die a lot. But um, I definitely felt a lot less pressure. Like I knew that I won so many games where I would lose as any other support. You, yeah, like I I knew just there was so many games where I died like five times and I still won because I was Sona. Mm, but if you were playing another, if I was any of my champs, I would yeah, lose that game yeah. majority. I mean, Bard, you can kind of still be useful, but probably not. I would still lose that game, like because I scaled. I just scaled incredibly well. And Sona is really, really good at scaling into mid-game. Once I got my my Archangels and my Moonstone, it was game over. Like, I felt like I was god mode at that point. Um, so there was always, like, a, a fallback. Like, I had that fallback. So that doesn't mean the champ's easy, but it does mean I get it. I kind of have a get-out-of-jail-free card that's available. That's not It's not available every single game. I, if I die a lot, it's not going to be available. But um, it's there, and it's a very real thing. If you, when I play Nautilus or one of these other champs, I definitely feel like I have to be the one looking for windows. Otherwise, especially if I'm versing an enchanter, I'm slowly going to get poked out. I, I can, if I get chunked and I, and I, and I can't go in in a team fight and I miss position once and I can't go in and I'm forced to just peel, probably not going to be that effective. If they're not, if they have all their summoner spells a lot, that reduces, you get to burn their summoner spells a yeah, lot. Yeah, they're versing a lot of mobile champions. If I'm versing an Ezreal and I'm playing like a Nautilus and things like that, mm. like I, it's hard. Like it's to hard to this. find an angle. It's mm. hard. Very, it, with and Gale the Forces in the game as well. very short as well. Stopwatches, Gale Forces. Yeah. It's very difficult. You've got to, have, you've got to be switched on with your positioning. Mm. Like, to the next degree, you've got to be creative. You've got to really utilize Fog of War incredibly well. There's, there's other elements of the game that you need to think about that tie onto that engagement, engaging mindset um, that I think you can't really disregard. But, you know, a part of me feels as though we're comparing sticks and stones and, and it, it reminds me of like the league journey conversations. Like we all have different league journeys and the, the, the skill set's just different. That's right. The skill set is very different. Like I would say Kitty, like versing Kitty in solo queue, she has a different sort of presence in a game. Like when I verse, say, Cupcake and then I, or, or, and then I verse Kitty... They're both difficult to beat, but in differing ways, mm. I would say. Like, Cupcake is going to win the game. Like, he's going to really win you the game. Like, and he'll, he'll win it. He'll beat you in a game. Like, he will do some really great 
creative engage with Nautilus or he'll use some barred portal into a barred up beautifully and just like he knows how to win a game of league and he will do it. He will be the one that wins you the game of league. Whereas I feel as though um, with Kitty, Kitty is very aware of win conditions. She knows win cons really well and she knows where to be on the map. Her positioning is really well. Like she's, there's been many times where I've played mid against her as support and she roams mid and, and like has saved her mid laner because their ways that was screwed and she had to heal them or whatever. Like she, as Soraka or something, she's done a really, really good job of, she knows where to be on the map beautifully. She knows the vision game really well. Like she has a really good skill set, a really, really good skill set, but it's just different. It's just a different skill set. I would say she's more cerebral. She's, she's more aware of like, like she said, her positioning and appealing in team fights is really bloody good. She doesn't get caught out all that often. Um, whereas Cupcake actually probably is on the other extreme. Cupcake probably does get caught out yeah, a little I, bit more. I, I've, I've caught out Cupcake a couple of but, times. Because but, yeah. but, he's trying to win yeah, the game. Yeah, he's trying to win the game, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I would say in solo queue, yeah. this kitty style, or that skill set, sorry, is actually better. Because I would say um, there's so much room. For this. Uh, people are going to make mistakes. Mm. And kitty style capitalizes on enemy mistakes really, really well. Whereas like Cupcake style translates more to competitive play. Big time. Because you can't just rely on other people making mistakes. Like, you can't play that loser's game. You've got to play the winner's, winner's game. game yeah. You've got to make the big dick plays, you know? Yeah. So that's like another... That's one element to look at it through. Um, did you have anything else to add on to that one? No, I think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely a take there is saying, you know, there's certainly a skill. And I think that skill does need to be respected of playing these enchanted sports at a high level yeah but you can't just compare the lulu w with nautilus r because it's it's, it's like yeah. that's, a, that's a that's not a good take like yeah. i respect kitty a lot but i don't like that take specifically because again you're completely you're completely forgetting that nautilus has to use r to go in whereas nautilus i mean whereas lulu doesn't, doesn't have, have to use, to use w. w yeah like it's you're like gonna sit there you be very reactive with your w like yeah, reactive then, do- reactive ability usage is just easier than proactive ability usage, period. Being reactive in anything is easier than being proactive in anything in life in general, isn't it? Mm. Being proactive is hard. Because you put yourself in a vulnerable position when you take a risk. You're taking a risk, yeah. Proactive, that's right. right. That is right. And let's say if I'm... Uh, let's say if... Uh, here's maybe an example in the workplace, right? You have a conflict with someone, right? Mm. It's very easy to just sit back and sort of maybe wait for someone else to like bring up that person's flaw or something that's annoying versus you be the one asking that question or going, you taking the aggressive action. It's that's bloody hard, isn't it? Very, very uncomfortable, very hard to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, but, you know, I, I think it's good that Kitty brought up that conversation, though. It's a good conversation, yeah, a good conversation to bring conversation up. Have, yeah. What were the responses like? Were there any interesting responses on the tweaks? I know I saw Cupcake say, said yeah, something. Yeah, so Cupcake actually did respond since we have also had him in our podcast, yep. episode 50, talking about the bore mentality. I've had some people in the salt who talk about that still, uh, in, embracing the bore mentality. Uh, he says, I'm, I'm inclined to disagree here. The skill difference between Lulu W and Nort R or any engage tool for that matter is not in hitting an ability, but the decision-making. Thinking when the enemy is punishable and your team can follow up is much harder than simply disengaging and engage. Yeah, which is basically what we said, right? Yeah. Um, we had another one here from Rogue, who's a pro player in Os. I got to disagree. Engaging is the most important role since honestly 90% of team fight is decided by how it starts or how is, or is counter engaged. Even navigating a team fight to not take free damage when it's unnecessary is hard, but especially having the knowledge to know when fight equals good. Yeah, I do. I do feel like that when I played Lord of Sona, like I would take damage because I'm misposition, but mm. I would heal it up. Mm. Like there's a lot of room for error there. 
there was a lot of lot of room for error. And Kitty actually responded to that exact tweet saying, I agree, knowing when such how to engage is super important. My main point is to highlight that Enchanted Main shouldn't be discredited for their ranks because Agreed. their champs are easy. People often overshadow what supports to do for a team fight. Really insightful info. Yeah, I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? Like, it's all—it's easier. Doesn't mean it's easy though. That's right. Like, it's—it's kind of like saying, um, it's kind of like saying an F one driver is like, or like a like an F one driver saying driving this car really really fast is easy. For them, it might be easy, but it's all relative, right? To the average person, it's still like incredibly hard to like, control a vehicle like yeah, that. Yeah, control a vehicle like that would be very, very difficult. Like that, that Ferrari is really easy to drive. <laughs> it'd be really difficult for the average person. Yeah. It's all relative. It's it's coming from like a yeah, you know, at the highest level. Yeah, it's still difficult to climb to that rank. All right. Anything else for that, Chris? Jump into mailbag. Yeah, jump in mailbag. Away we go. All right, first question here is from Dre. Title of this email is Being Confident Without Being Stupid. Hello, a mantra you guys say a lot is that league is a confidence game and that in order to play well, you need to be confident. My issue is that often when I play confidently, I also play stupider. I make solo plays and am generally more aggressive, often when I shouldn't be. How do I balance being confident in my own gameplay with being disciplined and smart? I found that if I play disciplined, I play too safe. But if I play confident, I play too undisciplined. What's your initial thoughts, Curtis? It seems like he's not getting into the details. Yeah. It's too general. Yeah. You Okay, so I would say... I want to replace a few words here. I'm going to replace a few... Okay, he's, he's saying a lot about discipline and not discipline, right? Or confident and no, low confidence. I would actually reframe it to uh, intuitive or not intuitive. Um, okay, so okay, so this I'll, I'll give you a framework, and then we can kind of riff off this. So, in league, no matter what role you play, there's moments in the game where you're you're just executing what you know. There is no time to think. You're in a skirmish. You know you're doing a gank. There is no thinking anymore. You, you you can't think. You're doing, right? So we're executing. We're, 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 we're relying on our muscle memory, all right? Then there's moments of the game where we're not, we're not fighting anyone in particular, whether you're cl- clearing your camps, you're coming out of base resetting, um, you're you know, chucking out a ward, a support, whatever it might be. You're in between waves, waiting for the next wave. You're on a death time or whatever. This is what we call lull states, or if you're mid lane anyway, I call them lull states, where you can actually think. Your goal is to end game, ideally, in a perfect world, is that you would use each and every lull state to calibrate, I call calibrate, which is think about the game holistically. What's going on? What are your win cons? What's the next objective? You know, when are you strong? Where is, where's my teammates? Where are they all? Uh, is, my jungler, is my jungler in base? Where's my support? Where's my bot lane? What's happening in the sides? Calibrate, what the hell is going on? And now with the, knowing that information, it's kind of like at the top of your mental stack, you can then decide to make decisions and then you go through an execution phase. We execute, you're probably fighting someone, you're in lane, whatever it might be. So you, we think, and then we execute. We think, and then we execute. You're constantly just doing that throughout the entirety of the game. Now, um, this is completely independent of confidence, right? This has nothing to do with confidence. You can, you can use your lull states or not, you know, or not use your lull states, whether you have a lot of confidence or no confidence. 
what I would suggest is bringing it back to, am I using my lull stage to actually think and make decisions or am I not? And then when, I, am I, when I'm in the fight itself, as long as you're expressing what you know, review it after. As long as you know that you used the lull state before and you're going in and expressing what you currently know, you're expressing your best self, then the rest is history. Where confidence gets built is going through this process. You have great lull states. You execute that skirmish or gank or team fight, whatever it might be. And then you get into the review and then you figure out what happened. Why did it turn out like this? What variable did I not consider? What would be the next course of action next time? And how would I come to that conclusion? Same thing over and over and over again. So if you're feeling low confidence, that's a sign that you're either you have unnecessarily high expectations of your current level of play or you're, um, you're not getting into the details. So you don't know what to replicate and what not to replicate. You're just lost and you're just, you know, you're falling into oblivion because you don't know what, 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 you, what you're doing and why. Anything to add to that, Nathan? Yeah, I do. So I guess confidence in terms of, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know what rank you are, where mm. you are in mm. Dre, but if you're like, you know, working your way up, you know, I'd say like, I mean, the learning is always, I mean, I'm learning every day, you know, but, you know, once you start getting to the master grandmaster, you probably got a pretty good grasp of the game, right? Mm. As you're learning, the way that I think you more so view confidence is your confidence in your ability to get better. Mm. Because that's going to, like you talk about here a specific place and I make solo plays and I'm generally more aggressive Mm. often when I shouldn't be. Remember you talked about before how you were watching the EUS players Mm. and you were saying they um you see how he said being aggressive you said they were being way less aggressive mm. but they would be way more confident than you are yeah so think about it so i think you're conflating aggressive with confidence as well potentially yeah. as well yeah right um yeah because again you know you look at 1300 lp players and they're like a they Silas, look like they're forcing a Silas e he's yeah. not he's this guy's not doing a Silas e for the first seven mm. minutes in the game because mm. the enemy jungle doesn't show on the map mm. that's not Conf- that's a different type of confidence, aggression and confidence. It was you know? first four minutes, 30. First yeah, four anyway. minutes, 30, you know? So, yeah, I think that that's more, when you're learning the game, the confidence comes in your ability and then you need to build up the intuition. Like, I think it's also, yeah, like you said, it's, 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 the, it's knowing that you can improve. That's why it all ties back to that process that I outlined before is like, if you're confident and knowing that if you're in that situation again and knowing what you would do next time, like that, it makes you feel a little bit better, you know? Like, mm. and if you do it again and again and again, you constantly get into the review, you're naturally going to feel more confident because you're going to start to see trends. It's just another one of those, quoting Ray Dalio, we're reading his book, Principles. He talks about it and he's investing. When he's going through like market crashes and stuff like that, he just says, oh, this is just another one of those. This happened, you know, 80 years ago. It's just another one of those. Yeah. In league, it's the exact same thing. Oh, you know, it's a split map. It's just another one of those. Every every situation right. has happened before in I've league. Got a, I've got a really fed vein out of carry. It doesn't matter if it's a Cogmore or a vein or Zeri, whatever. It's just another one of those. I've got to peel my out of carry. You know, and it's starting, you, once you start to see the trends and you, you start to understand the game and how it's played, you'll develop confidence. The last thing I will add on to that one is that, um, you know, Let's say, like, you mentioned something about being aggressive and forcing and then not forcing, right? It actually kind of ties into, yeah, what we spoke about before. Sometimes you have to do a bit of both. Sometimes you do have to know what it feels like to force and then now you know what that feels like as long as you're contextualizing it with the review and understanding what you're getting from it. And then you slow it down, do the other approach. Like we said, pretend your champ scales and play really slow and conservative and farm 10 CS per minute and see what that feels like. 
if you actually compare them and you actually get into the review and look at what you got from both of them, you're going to be able to calibrate naturally. Like, it'll just make sense if you look at it. You'll say what feels good and what doesn't feel good, you know? Um, so there's that. There's an element of that as well. It is a long-term process, but, you know, hopefully that gives you a little bit to think about. All right, next question here is from Al. The title of this email is Balancing Plane Using Intuition with Autopilot. Hello, I'm a player that uses intuition a lot when I play. I like to mm. go with feel and play based on what I think will happen. As a result, I find myself doing things then thinking about it after. How do I balance using intuition and autopiloting? Sometimes I feel like I go back to the same reads that I normally do. I feel like going by feel is good, but I also do not want to stagnate. Oh, I'm, this is what my video is going to be about. I can answer this one really quickly. Just like the last person before, lull state usage. Are you able to identify what a lull state is? Okay, is, so your problem then is either you, you're not using your lull states at all to think. You don't know what a lull state is. Or you, or, or you know what a lull state is, but you're failing to identify it and use them in the game. Or um, you don't know what to think about in the lull state. Lull states, again, go back to the last question that I just answered. I explained it there. You really want to, if you're an intuitive player, you need your priority number one. Fuck everything else. Lull state usage. Am I calibrating in the games? Am I getting a holistic look of what the hell is going on? Calibrate, calibrate, calibrate as much as you possibly can. The more you can do it, the better, okay? Every single lull state. The second thing is review. Now, a lot of people say, then Curtis, what do I review? If I'm an intuitive player and I've never reviewed before and I just play by feel, what should I review? What I say to start off with, if you've never reviewed before and you're not good with it, just follow your feelings. Most intuitive players are very emotional. They're able, the strength of intuitive players is that they're able to connect their emotions with in-game events. Like they're able to, like they, 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 they follow their emotions. Their emotions guide them in the game, in the decision-making. So what you should do is in the review, go to like the two or three pivotal emotional events in that game. I guarantee you, if you go into it, there's probably two or three moments in that game that felt from an emotional perspective, really bad or awkward or frustrating or whatever emotion it might be go to that moment, then reverse engineer it, okay? If this is that shitty moment that happened in the game that felt really bloody bad or felt off or felt wrong, go back. What, what contributed to this? What, what happened two, three minutes in the lead up to this? What happened? Yeah. Why, am I, why am I not at this fight? Mm. Why did we lose this fight? Mm. Go back before that and figure out what the hell happened. If you do that, just for those two or three pivotal moments in the game, it shouldn't even take, should take less than five minutes. That's a great, that will, that will start to, give you a much more sophisticated understanding of the game, give you a bit to think about, help you to direct your lull state usage, etc. That's what that's that's my advice. So reading the question again, how do I balance using intuition with autopiloting? Intuition or autopiloting? Those things are the, the, they're the, they're the same thing. They're like the same. Like flow state and autopiloting and intuition, they're all basically very they're, they're one and the yeah. same essentially. So I think what he means is uh, I'm I think what he means is he's trying to, he, he thinks that like, he thinks that the moment things that he does well are his intuition and things that he does, does poorly autopilot, autopilot, but they're no, you're, no they're they're, not, yeah. everything is random for you because there is no, you're just playing with intuition. Every game is purely via feel. And um, the only thing you can distinguish is 
things that are done via analytical thoughts and things like that are done decision. by conscious decisions. Conscious like, decisions. This is the information, and I've made this conscious decision versus. That's right. They're the, the, the same. Because then he goes on to say, yeah, after that, he goes, sometimes I feel like I go back to the same reads that I normally do. Yeah, you're never get, you, you, the improvement cycle when you're improving via intuition is very slow because you're not able to contextualize what's happening. You're, you're, you're trusting, you, you rely on registering painful experiences subconsciously and then naturally improving at it. Yeah, which is how every player, pro player got good at the game. And that's why they have to play so many games. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's the way. Like league, that's the, the first seven seasons, eight seasons that's is. Right. That's all yeah. you had. And Everyone's I'll, intuition. Oh, I'm I'm gonna try and record this video this week for you, um, for you guys. So, so what's I've the title of that video, Curtis? About intuition. Uh, it's gonna be called, I think, like what type of player are you? Okay, that's what I'm gonna call it. I like it. A bit of a clickbait title for Exciting. you guys. Exciting. <laughs> all right, next one here is from Aiden, I believe. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. The title of this email is early season discouragement. Uh, first year show is amazing. I can't get enough of it. Keep up the incredible work. We are about nine weeks into the season and I'm already discouraged from playing. I recently hit goal for the first time. I picked up league last season, but I didn't play much ranked and I intended to turn that around this season. However, after getting to gold, I noticed I was gaining 14 and losing 16. This means in order to climb at a steady pace, I must maintain a 54% win rate. My goal was to finish plat this season, but this made the task seem so much more daunting. I'd love to hear your guys' advice on how I can overcome this. All right, so I have had this happen to me uh, in terms of like fixing a, a doomed MMR account, right? My journey in um, season 2020, in 2000 and... Yeah, 2020, season 10. I was also... I That account was my main account. I was around... I started off that season. I got to like Grandmaster 200 LP and then um, I went down to, I basically spent the rest of the season in Diamond, like Diamond 1, Diamond 2. And then I had like a huge mental boom for my champ pool and I started learning Lisa in Italy. Do you remember that phase? And I went down to Platinum 1, all right? And I was also gaining 14 and losing 16. I simply switched my, I literally got out of it. It's like at the end of the day, I'm I if I play at a master challenger level play, I will gain over the long term no matter what. Right? And then that season you can go on my profile right now. I finished that season. I, I literally did this in a span of like about six weeks. I went from platinum one to master zero LP, and that's where I finished the season last season. That that season. I fixed that account from fourteen plus fourteen to minus sixteen. All because I switched my mindset from my level of play equals rank over time doesn't matter at all just have fun with the game just get out of that lp mindset and i'll be good so this has happened to me that's my experience what i was going to add was just it seems like he like do you want it to be easy that too it's like yeah plat's a really good achievement and especially since you picked up the game last year like you you wouldn't want it to be easy you know, you don't want it to be easy. You wouldn't want to go for that. Pla- you wouldn't want platinum if it was easy. Yeah, I mean, it just ran. Look, you got golden season. That's you've had a pretty relaxed journey. You need to hit some fucking wall. Like that's just no one in the history of league has not hit a huge wall or 100%. gone down huge divisions. Being stuck, like never happened ever. Like think about this the is journey. the other thing. People, you know, people say, oh, it's so low. It takes a lot of games to get from gold four to platinum four. 
Okay, what about getting from zero LP master to one thousand LP when I'm I'm getting like not not amazing gains like plus seventeen or whatever it might be? That's a metric ton of games. Yeah, you know I might not, get, but it's that journey. That's what makes it so exciting. That's you know, right. and like you just got to get games in. And also the other thing as well, you know, like you said, it, Nathan, if you play right, if you just if you're playing at a platinum four level. Like you will get there eventually, no matter Correct. what, and yes. the MMR Huge will fix answer. itself. Yes, it fixes itself. It fixes itself. Yeah, it might be plus fourteen, whatever it is. What is it? Plus, what is it? What did he say? Plus fourteen minus sixteen. Right, it might be that now. But if you're winning the majority, like if you're getting better than the people, say you're versing platinum uh, goal four players, and you're actively improving following this process, and like you're, you're getting better, and you're say it, the system recognizes that you're like a gold two player. You will start beating these players more than a fifty-four percent win rate. It might it might jump to sixty percent or sixty-five percent. Your MMR will naturally fix itself. You will always, if, as long as you're getting games in, a decent amount of games. It doesn't have to be an exorbitant amount of games, but as long as you're getting games in, you will get to the rank that you deserve to be eventually. As long as you filter, you just block the noise, and you just get get into it. It's gonna, it's not gonna be easy. You don't want it to be easy. Yeah, and then you can look back at it, and you have this story, like Nathan, these war stories that he has that he can <laughs> tell his grandchildren. War, I have many and war you're gonna stories. You're going to have, you can tell, you know, what's his name, Aiden. He can Aiden, tell you. Yeah. Have, you have plenty of war stories. You can tell your grandchildren. Sit around the fireplace. Say, back in my day, I went from gold four with a doomed MMR account to platinum four, and everyone yeah. will be so happy and give you a massive hug, and it'll be amazing. I mean, the rate reading this now again after <laughs> this early season discouragement, and you you're gold. You play the game for one season. It's like the first, so entitled. the first bit of failure or struggle. You're just like, oh, I'm discouraged. I give. It. It's like oh, literally no. my it, first, your first plateau. It's like a 14 year old girl. This is why I view it. A 14 year old, like a teenager. A teenager. It was like, Dad, can I have like this new thing or whatever? And he sister, said, right? This <laughs> is the first time, right? He said, <laughs> he said, like you've you've gotten everything your whole life, and then suddenly he said no, and you go, yeah, you throw a tantrum. This is what this is what I read if from Na- this. Nathan. If Nathan's sister's watching this, she's gonna. Uh, uh, it's talking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh we had to work for it back in back in, uh, back in my days. But but I think yeah, but I think you're spot on. You know, there's going to be many more plateaus. You think the gold four, yeah. the every rank you go is going to be even harder. Like the, right. the platinum four to D four is going to be harder. That D four to master is going to be incredibly hard. Yeah, the master to challenger incredibly hard. You know, like even harder. So have fun with it. Relax. Take your time. It's this the fun of it. You know, that's right. So that might be a bit of a roasting, but you know that's that's a ridiculous question for the BBC. One season in, essentially. Well, he got one season gold. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I wasn't even ranked in my first season. I just got to level thirty, and then bots. just and then and then the next one gold, and then it took me th- you know two whole seasons to get gold, high gold, and that was when everyone knew what the hell they were doing. All right, next question here is from Brent. Do you guys take any supplements to improve your mental focus for gaming? Do you recommend any supplements to try? No, I only take... I, I take vitamin D and vitamin C. That's but that's it. not really... Do you reckon it improves your no. mental focus? Guys? I, I, I did get reached out by a, a, supplement, a company. supplement company to, to do like a gaming supplement thing, but I just... I, I know that's like nootropics, isn't it? That's what they're called, nootropics. I, I think that there are ones out there that I've heard work... I think that channel, um, more plates, more dates. That Derek dude, he he uses them, Neutro- like nootropics. I think that's what they're called to help you with mental focus. And he has, I think he actually sells one that I was actually interested in going to try on his site. He he actually teamed up with a supplement company, 
um, and, and develop one. Um, I was going to try it. I mean, I haven't tried it yet, but I, I think they do work. Yeah, um, there's probably something there do we work. should need to explore. We can definitely need to explore that. I mean, I personally... Actually, I do do... Well, I have added one thing to my ritual. I have a Red Bull before I start my block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, like with sugar or no sugar? The ones with sugar, yeah. Oh, my Is that goodness. bad or good? Actually, I did have one time one no sugar one, but I couldn't feel it. Yeah, they do taste like shit, though. The no sugar does taste like shit. But I, I, I like a Red Bull, but I don't know if that's helped me or not, but I mean, what I can't say, hell? but I've sort of started doing that. I mean, I but, mean, they do give you, they do work yeah. in energy, but they're not healthy, dude. They're not healthy. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely need to go and do a bit of research on that whole nootropics thing. I mean, I'll tell you what, the, the best supplement, eight hours sleep. That's a good one. That's exercise, eight hours exercise, sleep, eight and hours a balanced sleep. diet. Oh, that, that, that's, I think, I don't think there's anything yeah. bigger picture than that that could help you, honestly. Yeah, but this guy could already be a beast, man. He could already be. Yeah, he could maybe be he's all just like, he's trying to get the one percenters, you know? One yeah. percent's matter. I was saying supplements more one percent. Yeah, we need to do some research on that, though. All right. Well, that's the end of our episode today, Curtis. Merch. Merchandise. Get into Book the club. details. And by the way, this is like a... I thought this was a little bit of a cool design because it's like... Like the getting into the details is a bit hard to see, but it's sort of like... What, what was the word you used? I mean, I would have a white. I would rather the text white, white, I mean, someone's going to be staring at the street like, what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, maybe it might be hard to see, but uh, yeah. I think we actually need to make a white version, actually. I think this is, we only have black, so we need to do a white text one. Yeah, but on the site, you, they can change it, right? Yeah, they can change the color of this, uh, but not of the text. So, if you do a dark color, it's right, not we'll going to We'll figure it out. We'll figure it yeah. out. Um, yeah, so any other, any questions around the merch? You can just you can also email our, our um, the same email for our, our Q&A. Uh, Nathan's mailbag broken by concept show at gmail.com the the emails in the description always isn't it Curtis yep yep um, yep so excellent there you go beautiful we'll, we'll see everyone in the streets with getting the we're like ah you're a BBC imagine if we saw someone in the street yeah. with it that would, would be, cool. be so cool you're a bbc Highly unlikely. It's like you it's like you shout that in the public you're a bbc and everyone's like what the fuck are you talking BBC <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright good work everyone we'll see you on the rift